Hey guys, I am so excited to announce that we are coming up to our Mosaic Conference November the 14th to the 16th here in Los Angeles, California at the Theater at the Ace Hotel. So if you haven't registered yet, go to mosaic.org slash conference and you can be a part of what God is doing. The theme of our conference is the new, which shouldn't surprise anyone because everything we do at Mosaic moves into the new. We're always looking to the fresh. We're always looking to the future. And it shouldn't surprise us that God is always about the new. He gives us a new covenant. He places in us a new heart. He gives us a new spirit. He makes us new creations. Whenever you connect to God, you're always moving to the new. So how in the world has the church been so trapped in the old when God is always about the new? That's what we're gonna be focusing on at the Mosaic Conference, November the 14th to the 16th. Register right now. Don't forget, go to mosaic.org slash conference and register right now. We'll see you at the new. Well, good morning, everyone. Man, I want to welcome everyone in Seattle. I want to welcome everyone in Orange County. I want to welcome everyone in South Pasadena, everyone in Venice Beach, everyone in Mexico City, everyone in Quito, Ecuador, and wherever you are around the world in our online community, welcome to Mosaic. We are together today because we have found hope and meaning in the person of Jesus, and we're here to celebrate. You guys ready? It'll be a good day. Come on, come on, come on. I know. I could not sleep last night just thinking about the conversation we're going to have today. And so oftentimes I find myself feeling far too limited to express the thoughts that I sense are on the mind of God for us. We've been talking together for the past several weeks on the human connection. The things that hold us together, the, the, the mystery and the secrets of, of human relationships. And, and I, I can tell you that, that we've moved away from the natural environments of developing healthy capacities for relationship. We've moved more and more to a, a, a society, a culture of disconnection, of isolation. And in that disconnection and isolation, we're experiencing greater loneliness, greater depression, greater despair. And so we have this, this interesting contrast. We fight for our autonomy. We fight for our freedom. We fight for our uniqueness. We fight for our right to stand alone. And then when we find ourselves alone, we do not know how to fight back to community, to belonging, to love, to intimacy. This may be the most important conversation we will ever have here. Because if you don't learn how to connect to each other, this whole language of faith will become superficial and inadequate for your life. And you will blame God because you think God did not come through. But you never understood the context in which God comes through is how you connect to other human beings. So I want us to dive in one more time to the construct of the human connection. I want to talk to you about what I think may be one of the most important virtues, the most important attributes of people who connect on a deep level. And if this attribute is missing in your life or deficient in your life, it may be the singular explanation for why you feel so desperately alone and why you have a hard time connecting to other humans. You want to know what it is? Do you want to know what it is? It's trust. Oh. 
There may be no more significant posture in who you are as a human being and how you relate to God and how you relate to other people that will affect your ability to connect at a deep human level. And I know when we come together in times like this, when we come together and we worship God, we're supposed to spend the entire time talking about how God is trustworthy and how you need to trust God and how everything in your life is contingent on your ability to trust God with your life. But it doesn't end there. See, if all I had to do is convince you that you need to trust God and that God is trustworthy, this would not be that hard of a battle. The problem is that humans are what you need to learn to trust, and humans are not trustworthy the way God is trustworthy. And so what ends up happening is as we live out this dynamic of trust, all of our experiential evidence tells us we shouldn't trust anyone. And if you cannot trust anyone and everyone is a reflection of God, then you can't trust God. So you may not realize it, that the relationship you have with other people with a level of distrust actually affects your ability to trust God. And if you actually come to the place in your life where you trust God, it will transform the way you relate to other human beings and your ability to trust them. Now, I know I'm starting hot this morning. <laughs> but I have so much I want to pass on to you and I do not have enough time. So I'm just going to open a fire hydrant, let you put your head into it, and drink what you can. <laughs> There's so much conversation inside of the, the church about spiritual gifts. And, and it seems almost sometimes we're almost overwhelmed with our fascination with, with signs and wonders and, and, and gifts like tongues and prophecy. And yet the entire scriptures drive us to understand that all the arena of the miraculous is secondary to the power of love and connecting human beings. In fact, everything that Paul writes about is saying, look, all these things are wonderful. All these things are significant. They all matter. They all happen, but they're nothing in comparison to these virtues that we know as faith, hope, and love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 6 and 7, Paul says this. He's going in this long soliloquy about love. He's talking about love because that's where he wants us to focus our lives. Then he says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always trusts. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Now I want you to see when Paul is describing this, he's not really describing four different things, he's describing one thing in four different ways. See, when love delights in truth, when it rejoices in truth, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. And if you eliminate trust, you actually lose hope. If you eliminate trust, you lose your capacity to persevere. If you eliminate trust, you lose your desire to protect. If you eliminate trust, You've made love silent. And if you make loving people invisible, you do not make God visible. And when love is not visible, God becomes invisible. And when you do not choose to trust, you make grace inaccessible. It seems that so oftentimes we love the language of love and grace. 
But I want you to realize with me that when you do not love another human being, God becomes invisible to them. The only way they can see God is by you loving them. That becomes the, the material from which God is made manifest. I think it's extraordinary to me that people who lose sight can actually see things through sound in a way that we could never perceive. See, when a person is trying to find God, it's as if they're blind trying to find the invisible. But when they experience love, it's as if rain is dropping on this invisible material called love and they see it for the first time. Same with grace. We all love talking about grace, whatever that word actually means. To be loved without condition, to be loved in, regardless of your, your flaws and your weaknesses and your brokenness and your inadequacies. And how do you actually express grace in a way where a person can see grace? It's trust. But I want you to see with me that the very core of love is trust. Because love compels trust. Which, by the way, is why it's so essential in the human connection. You cannot tell someone you love them and then not trust them. Because eventually it will erode all the love that you have. And the irony of it is that so oftentimes you find yourself loving someone who is not trustworthy. I mean, isn't that the complicated part of this? That, I mean, think about this. Trust is essential for deep relationships. Trust is essential to move toward intimacy. Trust is essential to make the human connection and then, by the way, asterisk, the people you trust will not always be trustworthy. In fact, some of the people you trust will not be trustworthy at all. In fact, it's even worse than that. The people you trust may discover you're not trustworthy. Oh, it's never on us. It's always on them, isn't it? Love compels you not only to trust, Love always trusts. But right before that, he says, love always rejoices in truth. There's a connection between trust and truth. See, a person who is driven by love makes it their life mandate to be trustworthy. So it begins with us. It begins with me. It begins with you. If you want a world where people can be trusted, step one, the singular step that you have complete control over is that you must choose to become trustworthy. You must become a person of truth. You must be kind of the kind of person that other people know when they say yes, it's a yes. When they say no, it's a no. That there, there's no falseness in you. I love the word trustworthy because, by the way, you don't even need to look at it as an etymology, but to be trustworthy is to be worthy of trust. So let me just start there. Have you made the decision in your life to become worthy of trust? Because what I found so oftentimes is that we don't realize it, but we project upon the world what we know about ourselves. And if you are here and you think, I would love to trust people, but people can't be trusted. I want you to know it's a self-projection. See, if you're here and you have concluded that the world cannot be trusted, it's simply because you cannot be trusted. I remember once years and years ago, we were driving with one of our nephews, and, and he, he, he's a very verbal young guy, and, and, and in the car, he just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked, and he kept saying, honest, 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 
honest, honest, honest, honest. And, and after about 30 or 40 times of saying honest, I just looked back and I said, why, why, why do you keep using the word honest? And he answered instantly, I guess it's because of how often I lie. <laughs> he was so honest. <laughs> He's like, I'm a liar, so I have to qualify everything I say with honest. Because if I'm not qualifying it, it's dishonest. We shouldn't have to qualify honest. See, when you're saying it, let me tell you the truth. It means you normally do not. Let me just be straight up with you. It means most of the time you're crooked. See, our language betrays us. If you're always honest, you don't have to say honest. You just speak. Because it's who you are. If you can be trusted, you don't have to say, hey, trust me. Look, the guy who tells you, hey, trust me, don't trust him. So you don't even trust you. You have to validate your own trustworthiness by trying to convince me that you are. But the reality is that every assessment that can accurately assess who you are is based on how you see others. And if you see the world as a world that cannot be trusted, then you have to begin at home base. I need to become a trustworthy person. See, my question to you right now is not how many people in your life can you trust? My question is how many people in your life can trust you? That's the beginning of developing a culture of trust. And the only way you'll ever become a person who can be trusted is if you become a person of truth. And the only way you'll ever become a person of truth is if you become a person that's driven by love. I look back at the times where I just, you ever just made a decision to lie? Come on. Only me? Okay, go back, you know, years and years ago. <laughs> Room full of liars, and I think it probably everywhere. And, uh, you know, most of the time when I've chosen to lie, it's because I feared the consequence of the truth. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? And I don't fear the consequence of the truth for them. I fear the consequence of the truth for me. If I actually love someone, I know the truth is the only way to bring healing to someone's life. But it's the truth in love, motivated by love, driven by love. Love compels trust. Kim and I have been married for almost 40 years now. And I can tell you that's awesome. But one of the most extraordinary things in our relationship is the capacity to trust each other. And those times when you begin to wonder if you can trust the other person, it actually begins to corrode the relationship of love. The more we trust each other, the more we love each other. And the more trustworthy we are, the more that love deepens. We can travel across the world. I'm not just married when I'm with her, I'm married wherever I am. Doesn't matter what country I'm in, doesn't matter what environment, it doesn't matter what situation I'm in, I'm always married to Kim. And you ever find yourself in a compromising situation? Do you want to know how to not compromise, get compromised in a compromising situation? Live an uncompromising life. See, what happens if you are a compromising person and you're in a compromised situation, people will immediately assume you've compromised. But if you're actually a person who's lived an uncompromising life, even if you find yourself in a compromising situation, people will go, yeah, but that person lives without compromise. 
It's really hard to attach something to you that isn't a part of your essence for very long. People can attack you. They can accuse you. That's why you don't have to get worried about haters. That's why you don't have to get worried about people attacking you. That's why you don't have to worry about things that aren't true about you. Just be true, and the truth will always defend you. Because love always protects. That's why I, I, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to always use your words to protect the people who are not in the room. Love always protects. Love, love always hopes. I love that that, that. that love always believes in a person's future. You shouldn't be surprised when someone changes for the better. It shouldn't be hard to convince you someone is changing. You shouldn't always hold a person's past against them. I'm not up here because God invited me to do this because I was qualified. I was invited to do this when I was completely unqualified. But God had hope in me. And he believed that he could move me to become the person I needed to become. I'm so glad God did not give up on me every time I gave up on me. And I want you to know God does not give up on you when you give up on you. And hear me, he does not give up on you when everyone else has given up on you. If people have given up on you, they are not on God's side. You always persevere. Love always perseveres. And this is all right. This is what trust does. But it's a dangerous thing to trust. And I want to acknowledge that up front. You have to make a decision of how you're going to posture your life. You can live your life deciding no one can be trusted. Or you can live your life choosing to trust people. And they both have a downside. If you choose to live a life of trust where you extend trust, which is a practical way of extending grace. If you do not extend trust, you are not extending grace. If you do not extend trust, you are a legalist. If you do not extend trust, you have chosen to become judge and condemner of the world. But when you extend trust, you will find yourself hurt, wounded, and even sometimes betrayed. I wish I could tell you that if you chose the path of trust, it would always go right. It would always go well, but it will not. But sometimes... The greatest gift you can give a person who's not trustworthy is to trust them. And to give them a gift they have not received probably in years or maybe ever in their life. I, I, I've sat in rooms with someone that has made bad choices, wrong choices, has, has broken my heart, has betrayed me in the past. I've done this so many times. And I look at them and say, I'm choosing to trust you because my trust is the highest economy I can give you. And if I'm giving you my trust, it means I'm believing in your future. I have hope that you will be different. Now, I've given you something. Now, you have to decide if you will value it, what you will do with that trust. You know what I found? When you treat a person as if they can't be trusted, they will become untrustworthy. If you treat a person as if they cannot change, they will not change. If you treat a person as if they're the worst of their worst moments, they will continue to be the worst of their worst moments. Sometimes people need someone who believes in them when they do not believe in themselves. You have to become that source of hope that pulls people into their future. So really, what does it cost you when you trust and you've been hurt, you've been wounded, you've been betrayed? You will survive. You will thrive. You will grow. When you give trust, you get bigger. 
But when you withhold trust, when you live a life where you can't trust anyone, you will suffocate your soul. And by the way, if you've convinced yourself that no one can be trusted, you've made the greatest indictment on yourself. Because if no one can be trusted, then you cannot be trusted. And if you think you're the only person that can be trusted, you've moved to such a level of narcissism that no one could ever get close to you because no one could live up to your expectations of them. Trust is a grace that makes you safe. When people know that you trust them, they also know that when they messed up, when they blew it, when they betrayed that trust, that there's grace given in that trust and that you'll help them move toward healing and health. But you can't change someone who doesn't want to change. But you can forgive someone. And you can begin to reestablish trust in a person who wants to move forward and be different. I have so much more I need to go to. Love compels trust. But I want you to see with me that trust expands your universe. See, when you trust people, it expands your universe of influence. It expands the universe in which God works in your life. When you withhold trust, it makes your world smaller and smaller and smaller. Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 10, verse 16, verses 10 through 12. Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth. Who will trust you with true riches? Which, by the way, the true riches are people. And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? I mean, this principle from Jesus, it goes so deep, and it also goes beyond the metaphor of the, of the spiritual dynamic of life beyond this world. It's actually a, a powerful imagery for how life works in this world. See, if you're a person who can be trusted with small things, who can be trusted with the little things, who can be trusted with the things that seem beneath you. Have you ever been asked to do something that was beneath you? You know you have. You had parents. Right? You ever been asked? People, they don't even see my awesomeness. They're asking me to do something that's so far beneath me. Who do you think I am? You? And when you, when you are not trustworthy with the small things, but Jesus says you will not be trusted with more. I think so oftentimes we want God to do big things in our lives. We want God to make our world bigger. We want God to give us greater influence. We want God to give us greater impact. We want God to give us success or prosperity or wealth or influence, whatever it may be. But we're not faithful to small things. And so we wonder why God doesn't make it bigger. He said, if you're not faithful to small things, if I made it bigger, your unfaithfulness would become more clear, more obvious, and more destructive. God gives you less to protect you. See, when your world gets bigger and bigger and bigger, that small hole in the balloon becomes more profound as the air gets more pressure inside. And then when you break, it's not that that break was new. It's that that crack was always there, but you couldn't see it before. See, if you don't deal with those small things, you will not be ready for the big things. But it's also true in human relationships. If you learn to trust people, people will in turn trust you. 
and your world will get bigger and bigger and bigger. And when you live in a relationship with God, it's, it's, it's interesting. There's a mutual relationship here. It's not just that you're supposed to trust God. It's that you're supposed to be trustworthy to God. Saying, look, I am trustworthy. God is saying, you can trust me. The question is not whether you can trust me. The question is whether I can trust you. And I want to expand your universe. I want you to know the more you trust God and the more you are trustworthy and the more you will entrust others, the bigger your world will become. If you can't trust anyone but yourself, then you can only handle a world big enough for you and you alone. This is one of the driving principles in the scriptures because you you are entrusted to entrust others. There's this interesting place in the scriptures all the way back in Exodus 19 where Moses is having an encounter with God, but now he has to lead this entire nation to be who have just come out of exile from Egypt. It says, so Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak, Exodus 19, 7. Now 8 says, the people all responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. So everything's looking good. Everything's looking good. They said, we hear you, and we will do everything God has said. See, I, I meet so many people saying, you know, I trust God. I just don't trust people. Right? All right, well, how does that play out? You trust God, but you don't trust people. So here the people are saying, we will do everything God said. And Moses thought that was good enough. It was good enough for Moses, but it was not good enough for God. Verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud. Why? To show off? No. So that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. How come no one talks about that? See, one of the corrupting teachings inside of the faith has been you can only trust God. You should only trust God. In fact, you're a fool if you ever trust people. So a lot of people go, well, you know, I'm not, I, I just, I'm, I'm not into like church. I'm not into anything that, that institution, is institutional. This isn't an institution. This is a human community. And if you say you trust God, it always translates in becoming capable to trust other people. And God says, they trust me, but that's not good enough, so I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud. I'm going to have a conversation with you in front of them so that the people will put their trust in you. Why would God want them to trust Moses? Because God is the God who can be trusted, so he believes in the power of trust. And he knows humans cannot thrive without it. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. So then later... Well, actually, just a little bit before that, but Moses is still trying to work this whole thing out. Moses is the judge for everyone. All the people are coming to him, asking him for advice, asking him for wisdom, believing he's the only one who, who can be trusted. And he's exhausted. He can't sleep. All he can do is meet people, but he's trying to be God for people. So maybe you don't want people to trust you. <laughs> and his father-in-law, Jethro, comes to him and says, what are you doing all alone? I love that, that's, that question. Why do you alone sit as judge? Well, all these people stand around you from morning till evening. Exodus 18, 14 through 23. His father says, what are you doing for the people? Why are you all alone? Why are you trying to do this by yourself? See, God said, Moses, I need them to trust you. And Moses let it end there. All right, they trust God. They trust me. That's all we need. 
He's going to die. He's trying to lead an entire nation. His world is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. He has no time to do anything except to solve people's problems. And Moses answered in verse 15, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. I love that. It's just so straight up. What are you doing, Moses? Have you ever tried to do a good thing and you did something that just wasn't good? You're maybe trying to do a good thing the wrong way. Moses, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Now, let's do that again. But this time you're going to say alone with me. You cannot handle it alone. You're not supposed to do life alone. And if God's going to expand your influence, you cannot live life alone. If you want God to do great things in your life, get alone out of your vocabulary. What you're doing is not good. You're wearing yourself out. You can't do this alone. Listen now to me, and I'll give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. He says, teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way that they are to live and how they are to behave, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, here it is, trustworthy. Trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. See, some people, the universe is going to expand to tens. Some, the universe is going to expand to fifty. Some, the universe is going to expand to hundreds. Some, the universe is going to expand to thousands. And the great danger we are in right now is whenever God expands someone's influence to thousands, the, those of us whose influence is only at hundreds or tens become jealous of them and try to destroy their credibility because we do not like how much God has entrusted them with. Have them serve as judges for all the people at all times. But have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. They will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied, fulfilled, well. This is the best advice you can find in the scriptures for running a company, for running a life. If you're going to see anything you do expand, you have to learn how to trust people. I remember a few years ago when I was having a conversation with Mark Burnett, and he was talking to me about the challenge of going into a franchise kind of, um, of a dynamic. Because, you know, when you have one store, so you can run it yourself. And it's exactly what you want it to be. If you have two, you can divide and conquer. He goes, my wife can go to one, I can go to the other. We still keep the family. We still have influence. We, we still can shape the culture. He goes, once you move to three, he goes, now you have to trust the culture of someone else. He goes, and, and he goes, in fact, I, have to, I had to accept that I always have to um, settle. Because if I'm going to keep expanding the universe that I'm in, I have to learn how to trust people. And I realize that their fingerprint will be on it as much as my fingerprint. And while they'll carry my values and carry my vision, in the end, I have to let go to see things flourish and grow. I wonder how many of us would rather be completely in control of our world than to allow our world get bigger than us. In the scriptures, the pattern that God established through Moses was you have to learn to trust 
people. And then the more you learn to trust, the more you'll learn to thrive. And the more you'll have deep human connections. You either hire people and manage their actions, or you hire people and simply choose them by their character. And I would much rather hire people I don't have to manage. I'd like to hire people I can simply develop. And as they grow, they can do more and need me less. And I started wondering, how many of us actually project the same handicap with God? Because I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, I, I, I would trust people that just let me down so many times. So don't base your life on how many times they let you down. Base your life on how many times you've let them down. If you never let people down, just keep moving forward because you're running at 100%. If you're always trustworthy, you're on, you're, in a roll, you're on a roll, why stop? See, if you're the one person to be trusted, then you need to know everyone because everyone needs to know at least one person that can be trusted. But I think a lot of times our language, it just betrays us. We say things like, well, no, no one understands me. You're complex, but not that complex. <laughs> when you think no one understands you, you know what that is? That's a reverse projection on, I don't trust anyone. It's not that no one understands you. It's that you do not like their understanding of you. See, when you say things like, you just don't get it. It's not that people don't get it. It's that you're the it that they don't get. See, I, I, we use so much language to polarize by projecting the problem on other people when we need to accept responsibility. The same with God. Well, I trusted God. I've heard so many people, I trusted God, then God didn't come through. Now, do you trust God because he does what you want? Or do you trust God because you want what he does? So there's a huge difference in this. Because when you trust God because he does what you want, you didn't change. But when you trust God because you want what he does, you're constantly changing. I think a lot of us, we want God to make life easy and pretend that's trust. Life isn't easy when trust is simple. You become stronger, you become better, you grow, you mature, you become wiser when you hold on to people in the middle of complexity. Now, I'm not talking about dysfunctional relationships where a person refuses to become trustworthy and you just allow yourself to be codependent to their abuse. See, there, there, there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Forgiveness should be immediate. Forgiveness is a command to forgive. But trust has to be reestablished and it has to be earned. And so just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to give them the same access to your life that you used to give them. But what you cannot do is allow their betrayal to define every single person you meet the rest of your life. I can't trust you because they let me down. I can't trust you because they didn't come through. I cannot trust you because they were in my life. You cannot project the pain of your life on every human being who has never hurt you. You have to lean into life by saying, I will trust you until you prove to me I'm wrong. Not I will not trust you until you prove to me that I'm wrong. But here's the crazy thing in life is who you trust defines you. I love this psalm, Psalm 20 verse seven says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. 
And the imagery may not be up to date. It may not be current because you probably haven't had a chariot in a while. <laughs> or maybe any horses in a while, but I still like the imagery because I have a chariot and it has horsepower. <laughs> but some trust in chariots and some in horses. It's not really what you trust, it's who you trust. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And here's how it's rooted. See, the way to not become bitter, the way to not become cynical, the way to not lose the capacity to trust people is to realize that God is the one singular relationship that will never let you down. That you cannot define God by human relationships. You must define human relationships by God. And so if you put your trust in stuff, if you put your stuff, your trust in your chariots or your horses or your money or your power or your wealth or your success or your fame, then it will destroy you because you put your trust in something that cannot be trusted. But when you put your trust in God, it gives you a foundation of trust. It makes you trustworthy, and you begin to relate to the world differently. And it's an odd thing. I, I, I don't understand the full dynamic of this. I wish I, I, I understood how God fully created the universe, but, but it's odd. You do draw what you are. And so if you're, a, if you're a person who's deceptive, you draw in deceptive people. If you're a person who cannot be trusted, you draw in people who cannot be trusted. And, and, and it's not always the negative action in your life that draws in a negative person. Sometimes it's because you lack wisdom. And that person who's deceptive can identify a person who lacks wisdom. And you have to learn how to live your life in truth. So that when you begin to see that a person is inconsistent in love, you have to begin to have those conversations. And it actually establishes a healthier relationship. But you have to decide who you trust because that's what defines you. So when you trust God with your life, you become defined by the character of God. I don't want to be trustworthy for the benefit of trustworthiness. I want to be trustworthy because I want to be like Jesus. Now, what's crazy, let me tell you, when I came to faith, you know what really just blew me away? It wasn't all, all the stuff in the Bible, uh, you know, about like the end times. It wasn't the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel or Ezekiel. It wasn't all these great images. It wasn't all the miracles. What absolutely blew me away is that when no one was watching me, when no one knew what I was doing, no, when no one was asking me questions, I actually wanted to be good. I was going, what in the world is going on? No one would know. No one would know if I was telling a lie, but I, I can't live with the lie. I mean, early on, I, I, I experimented. Can I still, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? And early on, you're still sort of like going back and forth. Can I still like live the life I had? And you know what you find out? You can't do it anymore. It just eats you up alive. And the beautiful thing about living in relationship with God is when you trust him, he actually makes you trustworthy and he makes you love truth. He makes you love God. He makes you love the beautiful and the good and the true. And it changes you from the inside out. Psalm 13.5 says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. So there's a posture that says, God, you're the one I trust. And this makes you strong enough to face all the betrayal in the world. And to never become cynical, believing that the world cannot become a better place. In Psalm 32, 10, it says, many are the woes of the wicked. But the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. How many of you would say that you want 
to make the world a better place? I, I can't hear, it's three of you? I, how many of you here want to make the world a better place? See, here is the theological lie, the corruption. We've been taught that you can only trust God, you should never trust people. That if you trust people, you're a fool. If you trust people, you don't understand that people are inherently evil, that they're always wanting to do what's wrong, what's bad. But let me tell you something. I want to change the world for good. How about you? Yes. Now, if I'm the only person in the world that wants to change for the world for good, how in the world am I going to do that? Because everyone else just wants to change it for bad. I have to believe there are other people who want to change the world for good. How about anybody here want to end poverty? But you see, if you're going to end poverty, you have to believe there are other people out there who want to end poverty. Now, they may be imperfect. They may see the world differently than you. They may not even believe in the same God, but you have to believe that there are people out there who want to end, in po they want to end poverty. How many want to end injustice? See, here's the crazy thing. You're not the only person in the world that wants to end injustice. There are people all over this world that care about injustice. Every human being is created in the image of God. And your pastor toward humanity will affect your ability to make the world a better place. If you think the whole world is your enemy, you're going to fight all the good in the world. Or if you believe that there is an image of God in every person calling them out to the good, then you know you're just going to be a voice that calls out and you're going to hear the echo in the souls of millions. We're in a time of so much distrust. Every day I'm in a conversation about distrust. Republicans and Democrats distrust each other. The African-American community and the Caucasian community distrust each other. The Mexican community distrust the Salvadorian community. The, the Korean culture is in conflict with the Japanese culture. It's so nuanced. It's the rich against the poor, the haves against the have-nots. We have a political dilemma, so there are people who do not trust billionaires and other people who do not trust politicians. And you have to decide, do you trust the makers or the takers? You, and everyone has to make a decision. But here's the problem. Is it possible there are billionaires that can be trusted and politicians that can be trusted? Is it possible there are billionaires that cannot be trusted and, billionaire, and politicians that cannot be trusted? See, the reality is there are companies that cannot be trusted and governments that cannot be trusted. We have to stop categorizing everything as if it's absolutes and start believing that inside of every institution, God has people who want to do the right thing and people who want to do the good. And the reason this matters to me is that I feel we are drowning in a cesspool of cynicism. That we, we found our only power in destroying other people, in critiquing other people, in demonizing other people. Let's stop talking about what everyone else is doing wrong. Let's start talking about what we're doing right. Let's start extending a little bit of grace. If you only trust people who are like you, the only person you trust is you. Maybe it's time to listen and pay attention and realize that God created us for each other. He created us for this human connection. I, I love this one aspect of my life and I would not give it up for anything. I, I have friends so far to the left and friends so far to the right. I have friends who believe in God and friends who think God is a joke. 
I, I sit in a room with people who would never sit together, but they are sitting with me, so they meet each other. I'm going to create an environment that makes trust a central attribute of the culture. And if you're here, we're going to trust you. You have to violate that trust. We are not going to make you earn that trust. We're going to give you trust. And then you're going to have to hold on to it and be trustworthy with it. Because I think every human being should always start with an A instead of an F. So I have just three questions as we close. Question number one, can you be trusted? Where you are right now in your life, the choices you're making, the person you are, can you be trusted? If your answer is yes, then I want to celebrate you. I know that's, that's a struggle, it's a challenge to become a person that's trustworthy. It wasn't given to you, you fought for it. You earned it. But if your answer is no, then let it change now. Don't wait till next year. Don't wait till sometime in the future. Don't wait till something changes tomorrow. Right now, decide, I will choose to be trustworthy from this day forward. And let me just warn you, you're going to mess up. Because you have a momentum of past patterns that will have to be overcome. But that doesn't mean you're not going to change. It means change begins now. So decide that you can be trusted. Secondly, how well do you trust? Are you greedy with your trust? Do you hoard your trust? Do you stand in judgment and condemnation over people until they earn your trust? When you posture yourself like that, you are acting like God. And you're not qualified. The God who knows why we should not be trusted is the God who trusts us. He entrusted us with this earth. He entrusted us with human history. He entrusted us with the future. God has entrusted us with so much. He deserves our trustworthiness. How well do you trust others? Do you create an environment of grace by trusting people? And just the last question. Where is your trust? Where is your trust? I guess this is where it all comes together. See, Jesus came so that we could know that God can be trusted with our lives. He kept telling us over and over again, like, I know who you are. I see everything inside of you. I, I know the human dilemma. In fact, it says that Jesus knew it was inside of the human hearts. We knew that he could not entrust himself to us. And yet, he chose to put his life in our hands so that he could prove to us the trustworthiness of God. There's one who can be trusted and his name is Jesus. There's one who's waiting for you to put your trust in him. His name is Jesus. And it would be so easy for God to tap out and say, you know, I'm just done with you guys. There's only one person in this relationship who holds the value of this trust relationship. And yet he does not. God is faithful when we are unfaithful. God is trustworthy when we are untrustworthy. When we waver, God is unwavering. When we let go of God, God holds on to us. And I want you to know, the beginning of this human connection is reestablishing 
your trust in God and allowing him to make you trustworthy. And then you will become a conduit of trust in every relationship in your life. Would you pray with me? Just bow your heads for a second. If you're here in this moment, whether in Hollywood or South Pasadena or Venice or Seattle or Orange County, wherever you may be, and you know that you've struggled with trust, you have trust issues, but you also know that you need to put your trust in Jesus, that you're tired of doing this alone, that you cannot do this alone. And if God is willing to trust you with the new life he wants to put inside of you. Shouldn't you just say yes? Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago so that you could live and have new life. If you're here and you want that new life, if you're ready to put your trust in Jesus, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me right now. Just whisper this prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. Just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. It's a declaration of trust. There are no specifics here. It's giving him everything. Jesus, I give you my life. That encompasses everything. You're giving him your relationships. You're giving him your dreams. You're giving him your struggles. You're giving him your hopes. You're giving him your fears right now. Just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. If this is your prayer, I want to pray for you. I want you to trust me in this moment. If you just pray, Jesus, I give you my life, whatever campus you're at right now, the campus pastor is in the front waiting for you. I want you right now, if you just pray, Jesus, I give you my life, I want you to raise your hand right now in this moment. Say, yes, I'm putting my trust in Jesus right now. Beautiful, beautiful. Right now, just hold it up high. Jesus, I'm putting my trust in you. Jesus, I give you my life. Beautiful. Jesus, I give you my life. Wonderful. So good. Father, I thank you for the women and men who in this moment have opened up their lives to you. They've put their trust in you. You tell us that if we put our trust in you, we will not be disappointed. That you are a God who can be trusted. And God, in this moment, we're, we're not... We're not trusting you to do what we want. We're trusting you because we want what you do. We're going to trust you with our future, with our relationships, with our hopes and dreams, with our success and failure. We put all of our lives in your hands for you and you alone, God, can be trusted completely for you never fail. And God, I pray that today you would begin to create a culture of grace that we would extend trust, that we would believe in people, that we would believe in each other, and that God, that our love would make you visible, and that our willing to trust would make grace undeniable. We thank you, Father, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor. 
in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.